0: The church. It's not just a place we go, but it's actually a mindset that we tap into, and it's a heart posture we tap into. And so thanks so much for taking some time to come and join us today. Um, if we haven't met, my name's Billy. Alongside my wife, we get to be the pastors of this brand new church, y'all. We're on like week 10 of uh, opening here in the movieplex, and uh, it's, pre- it's been pretty awesome, I gotta say. And so thanks for taking some time to come with us. Hey, open up your Bibles if you can to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter four. And uh, if you're new to church or you're new to like a spiritual, religious space, um, we, we want to say welcome. We, we believe that church should be a place where it's, it's deep enough to change people's lives, um, but we believe it should be simple enough to understand and use in your everyday life. Uh, Christianity for me I've never really been in a lot of churches I was a part of one church before we came over here had one pastor uh, the same pastor I got saved under his ministry and and church was always like this place that people would just come and and it was kind of like I'm just supposed to do this I'm supposed to come and I know I'm supposed to be here so I'm here and what do you want me to do and I don't know I just believe that church can be a place where you actually feel at home when you walk in the building That it's not just a place that you morally feel obligated to come to, but there's actually something here that can actually enhance your life that's beyond your obligation. And uh, we're glad you took some time to come. And so we love the Bible here at Gospel Church. Uh, We believe it's the word of God. We believe it's so much more than just ancient literature. I say it's like a love note. Y'all remember love notes? No? All the young generations, you mean texting? Uh, No. Like you used to write, like, do you like me? Well, the box that said Yes. And then a box that said, maybe, and I never put no. (laughs) I didn't want to get a chance to get denied. You know what I'm saying? That's what the word of God is. It's one big love letter towards humanity. And God's box is always checked. Yes. He's always thinking about you. He's been thinking about you all week long. If God had a wallet, your picture would be in it because he is crazy about you. And today I just think he's glad you're in the house of God. And that's going to be great. Philippians chapter four, when you have it, say, I have it. We're starting a brand new series today called Seasons and uh, all kind of came through a a conversation I had with a local and I'll share in just a moment. Uh, But we're talking about anxiety today and I want to go towards one of the scriptures that mentions anxiety and kind of just jump in there and see what uh, God has to say to us because y'all, I want you to know this, the Bible was not written for you to memorize, it was written for you to apply in your life that the things that are in this book are not just to be registered in our minds, but when we're in problems or when we're going through hardships, there's truth in this book. And the easier it is to believe truth, the harder it is to believe lies. And as you spend time in the truth, you start to understand it, get to know it, so it's great. So Philippians chapter four, I'm gonna read seven verses today. And so if you haven't read your Bible lately, this will count as a Bible reading, you're welcome. Uh, Verse number one, it says this, therefore, my brothers, this guy named Paul is writing to churches in Philippi. And he says, therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Judea and I entreat Sintinch. And you thought your name was bad. Um, these are two women, just by the way, I, I mentioned women in leadership the other day and how the Bible says women should be silent and everybody takes that the wrong way. Here's two women that Paul says were church leaders right here. He says Judea and Sinchi to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you true companion help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are written in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone doesn't say, let your opinions be known to everybody. Let your mind be known to everybody. It says, let your reasonableness be. If they know you as a Christian, let them know you to be reasonable. Here it is, verse five. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about everything, about anything, but in everything pray in supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known, made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I wanna draw your attention to verse six of Philippians chapter four. And uh, I wanna take this scripture that seems to be very simple, okay? Paul just says, do not be anxious about anything. And if we're honest today, cause church should be a place where we're honest. <laughs> uh, if we're honest today, how does he have the audacity to just say, don't be anxious about anything? It's like, Paul, do you know my life? <laughs> Paul, do you know my wife? <laughs> Paul, do you know my child? You know, do you know my life? Like, are you sh-? And you're just telling me, don't be anxious about anything. And so I want to jump into that today as we study together. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for the spirit of revelation. Give our minds an understanding of something new today. Let our faith be known as not something we do for you until it's first about what you've done for us. And so we love you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for what you're going to do in this space. And we're just ready to see you change someone's life today in Jesus name. And if you believe it, say amen. amen. Come on. Can you say amen a little louder today? Amen. Turn to somebody, say, don't be anxious. <laughs> Thanks so much, Dave. Um, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know, my wife and I moved here uh, last year um, from a place in Southern California called Palm Springs. And uh, Palm Springs, we we actually lived in a a town called Indio, but it was connected to Palm Springs. So it was like Palm Springs. And uh, Palm Springs is really hot. In the month of July, our church, we have four locations at our home church. One of them was a mobile campus, just like ours here. We came in every week, we would set it up. And so in the month of July, we go to the U-Haul dealer, we pick up the U-Haul, and I'm riding with the campus pastor, and we're going to meet some volunteers at our storage where all our equipment is. And so we get there, and we pull out, and mind you, it's like 6 o'clock in the morning, about 110 degrees um, at 6 o'clock in the morning. And so we start loading up the equipment, and we get everything into the trailer, and one of our volunteers kind of starts looking a little woozy, if you know what I mean. And right there, in the beginning of the morning, uh, he, he passed out, like, from heat stroke, like, passed out on the spot. Like, and we're right there, like, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? And, you know, we got some ice on him, and we, you know, we, we gave him water, and then, you know, he ended up skipping setup. He came to church. He was just fine. Um, so it it was, it was, it was normal for us every summer. For it to be extremely hot like in august it, last year it got up to 126 degrees where i'm from and so when the lord called us to start a church in western new york where it's like the complete opposite something really blew my mind because the problems we have with our trailer today is not people are passing out from heat stroke the trailer is getting frozen to the ground Our operations guy has to get a torch out sometimes just to get the trailer off of it. Now, here's the idea. Both are trailers. Both were churches. Both had to be set up and tore down. Both had a purpose, but the season dictated how the experience went. I was talking to a local, and they mentioned February as just, that's the month of blues. February blues, you know, you're, you're out of winter. The snow has kind of lost its appeal and you're not really in spring yet. And it's like the sun comes out like every 17 days. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and people were telling me there's just this dip, Billy. I just feel down. I just feel depressed. I just feel like there's nothing going on. I was talking to one gentleman, I said, well, maybe that's just a season. And he was all, what do you mean a season? I said, you know, like a period of your life that you go through, but you don't remain in. See, what happens a lot of times is we go through things in life. We go through problems, we go through issues. And what a lot of us do is we just camp out right in the middle of the problem and just stay there and think nothing's ever gonna change. Not knowing that if you're going through it, it's because God wants to bring something to you while you're going through it. So what is a season? Yes, seasons of life, but what is an actual season? Well, the dictionary defines it very simply as each of the four divisions of the year, spring, summer, autumn, and winter. And marked, each season is marked by particular weather patterns and daylight hours resulting from the earth's changing position with regard to the sun. So what's the big idea here? We all know seasons as summer, spring, autumn, winter, all that kind of stuff. But there are seasons in our life as human beings that we go through. There are periods of our life where it seems like they're going great. Uh, you remember the honeymoon phase, getting married. You know what I mean? It's like your first like, couple weeks of marriage. Everything's great. You're like, nothing can ever go wrong. Everything's always going to work. She's always going to have food ready for me. And, I, and, you know, and, and then you go through some seasons and you're like, wait a second. That's not what it is at all. I, I've noticed this in my own life that even my mental health can feel like seasonal. Like I can have weeks where I'm really on top of the world and everything's great. And like Jesus is floating me everywhere I go. And then I can have other weeks where I'm like, are you even here, God? Uh, it was about four years ago. My wife and I were living um, in, in, in the desert, Palm Springs, we call it. And I remember just going through one crazy day where I couldn't, I couldn't shake, like I had this pain in my chest all day long. And for like several hours, I was like freaking out wondering, where is this coming from? Where's this stress coming from? Where's this anxiety coming from? You ever felt this before? And you can't really fathom it. Like I remember going to urgent care and they're like doing x-rays in my chest and they go, your lungs are fine. I'm like, why is it I can't breathe? I went to go see a doctor and he says, You may suffer from anxiety disorder. I was like, How could that be? My life is great. I'm a pastor. And he says, No, no, anxiety has nothing to do with your profession, it has everything to do with how you see things. And I, I want to just be upfront right away. We know that anxiety affects 40 million people a year in the United States. Anxiety has been told to be something that we need to keep track of more and more now because as tragedies keep happening and all these issues keep happening, people always go, well, you know, he had a little thing going on or, you know, I could always, I knew he was always stressed about something and we know these issues about each other, but we never know how to talk to each other about them. And I don't know, I want to create a church where you don't get judged for how you walked in the door, you get celebrated just because you came here. Like, I believe that a Christian should not be able to look down on anybody because a Christian knows without Jesus, they're at the very bottom. Am I preaching to anybody yet? See, we got to get past the fact of assessing these issues. Well, he's got an issue, of course. But let's not just analyze and assess someone's mental health. Let's pull them closer to love them and try to learn a little bit more about what they're going through. Um, I want to give a couple categories about anxiety before we get started and you guys might have to jump ahead a a little bit here but I want to clarify before I start there are different types of anxieties okay so first of all there is a category called chemical anxiety now I'm not a doctor I'm not a therapist I'm a pastor so I'm going to upfront tell you this is a pastoral conversation okay don't go tell somebody say that's all therapists not even close (laughs) I need a therapist what you talking about Couple of categories. First of all, number one, chemical anxiety. This is a, your neurons are off. There's, there's something chemically inside. Studies are mixed on this, but I, I, we're all for doctors here in our church. Like go see a doctor. If you need to see a doctor, go see one. Uh, uh, chemical anxiety is something that is within the buildup of someone's brain. Secondly, we have reactive anxiety. Now this is probably the most common. This is a work related issue or because something's happening, I'm anxious. So last week, we heard about war in Europe. All of a sudden now, people are anxious. Well, that's a reaction to something that is going on in our world, following me? So we got chemical, it's like embedded, there's something going on in your neurons. We've got reactive, it happens, I'm anxious. And then third is what's called traumatic anxiety. And traumatic anxiety is like, my wife was in a car accident about four years ago, and every time someone stops on their brake, she gets this like, oh. And I'm driving, I'm like, what? we're okay. But for her, it's an anxiety that comes from an experience. Are you with me? So this could be something that happened in your childhood. This could be an accident. This could be some sort of relationship. It's just some sort of anxiety that comes on us because we're reminded of something that went wrong. So before we even get into how to deal with anxiety, let's be up front and say there's different kinds. Are you with me? This can't just be a one-all-fits-all. I got the truth today, but at the end of the day, we also need to know who's hearing and who's listening and where are they coming from. In, In Philippians chapter four, Paul writes probably one of the most used verses about anxiety. He says, don't be anxious about anything. And if you just read that one verse, you would say, a little tone deaf, Paul, like you're just telling me, don't be anxious. You don't even know my life. But to understand that one verse, you must understand what the whole book is about. Paul had visited this church 10 years earlier. He went to Philippi. You can read about it in Acts 16 for all the Bible geeks if you want to follow up. Acts 16 talks about when he goes and plants a church in Philippi. And he is so excited about the Philippians. They are amazing people. They're generous. He goes on in some of his verses and says, you guys are so generous. Uh, he talks about how excited he is about women and men working together. He talks about all the cliques that have been dismayed. He says, you know, I, some people think it's all clicky in church. He goes, no, we're not about that. Um, he says some great things in Philippians. Philippians is actually the only book where he doesn't really directly confront anybody. Like he writes Romans in a response to a crisis. He writes First and Second Corinthians in a response to an issue. First and Second Timothy, he's dealing with pastoral issues. Uh, when he writes Philippians, he's just like, "Hey, man, I'm just following up. You guys are awesome." He writes and he just says, "I have nothing." but just to encourage you. He says, I just love you and I want to be with you and I just, I miss you. And, and, and he says this in chapter one, he says, it has been granted to you not only to believe in Christ, but he says, but to also suffer for him. I don't like that. <laughs> Suffering is talked about in the New Testament a lot, just so you know. Like the prosperity gospel falls apart. Those who preach prosperity, like give and God will bless you, like prosperity gospel. There's more verses about suffering in the New Testament than there is about prosperity. So we can be true. God wants us to be prosperous, but he also wants us to endure through life so that the next life we can be prosperous as well. And so there's a lot about suffering. And Paul basically says, hey, there's going to be some stuff you go through that's going to change your thinking. You're gonna have drama at work, and every time you see that coworker, it's gonna mess with your mind. He doesn't say that directly, but you know what I'm saying. Like he says, you're gonna have these issues that keep happening because people are suffering for their faith, and I just wanna encourage you. If you're gonna be anxious, don't be anxious, pray, and you will find that peace. I, uh, this became real to me when I was a youth pastor because uh, my wife and I started youth ministry together in 2013, and we were youth pastors for about eight years. And uh, it was an incredible experience, but I really saw a big shift in our students' mental health as social media became bigger and bigger. And and you would probably agree to this. I'm not like one of those like, man, social media is the problem, throw it away. It's like everything in moderation. You know, I'm not like, let's go back to the cave days. But I am like, hey, let's recognize that the more information that comes into our lives, the harder it is for us to process. And what we were seeing is we were seeing kids that were scrolling on their phones and they'd be like, oh, look, puppies. Be like, yeah, and then they keep scrolling, they'd be like, oh, you know, there's war going on in Europe. Wow, oh my gosh, yeah, keep going. Oh my gosh, Ariana Grande's new song came out. And their minds were seeing everything in one place. So when something serious slid across the phone, like death or like something issue, they were like, well, it's sharing the same real estate as this puppy, so it's harder to process what's good, what's bad, what should I deal with? And even for us as, as human beings, In the last 40 years, there's been an advancement of information that has never existed before. 1980 was when the 24-hour news cycle started. Before 1980, there wasn't even news going on 24-7. Now, any time of the hour, you want news, there's someone talking about it. And we're feeding our minds constantly, constantly, constantly that now we're getting overworked in our brains, and God never designed for us to carry all this at one time. The writer of uh, Ecclesiastes, his name was... Solomon, he said it like this in Ecclesiastes chapter one, verse 18. He said, in increasing knowledge, there's great sorrow. Would you agree that the more you learn, the more susceptible you are to be let down, the closer you get to a situation, the more you attach your own life to it. And then if that situation falls apart, you lose yourself. So he says, in learning, there is great sorrow. And that affects not just how we look on the outside, it affects our inside life too. And I just want to submit to you today, all month long, as we go through the topic of seasons, we're going to talk about anxiety this week, next week's depression. Um, My wife is going to do a message on insecurity, how to find security in who you are. And then I'm going to do one on obsession, like obsessive compulsive kind of stuff. How do you stop thinking about stuff? But all month long, we're going to work on our interior life. Because on the outside, we're great. We can shout, dance, hallelujah, or just stand and worship, however your thing is. But like, we can look great on the outside. But if we don't deal what's going on the inside, it'll eventually mess up. First year we were married, I remember never changing my oil. You know, A year later, the light's still on and the car just stops one day. Thousands of dollars of damage. And, you know, I, I'm like, you know, 25 and I go to my friend at church. He's like, you ever change the oil? I'm like, oh, that's what that light was. And I'm telling you, you will see the dashboard signals in your spouse. You will see the dashboard signals in your kids. You will see the dashboard signals in your own life. And if you don't open up the hood and work on what's on the inside, eventually you're going to burn out. And that's just truth. That's just the reality of it. So when stuff goes wrong, it's not for us to curl up and say, oh, it's for some signals to go off to say, hey, you need to change your oil. Hey, you need to change this relationship. Hey, you need to stop watching so much Netflix and incorporate some scripture every now and then. Hey, you need to do this. And it's not to make us feel bad, but it's to us to tend what's going on the inside. John Ortberg says, because my inner life is invisible, it's easier to neglect. And we've all been susceptible to that. And so the good thing is no matter what type of anxiety you're dealing with, no matter what type of stress or seasons you're in, we have Jesus who is not this distant God way up there saying, get it together. But we have Jesus who the Bible says went through everything we go through. Like my understanding of Jesus, I I was so grateful that I I didn't really get raised in church because I, I didn't understand when people talk about, well, church was about this, church was about that. When I came to church, I was like, I'm just glad that like Jesus accepts me as I am because all my friends want me to do other stuff. And my job is now asking me to question things that I think are wrong. And Jesus is like, hey, just, I'll take you as you are. And I don't know what you came in thinking about Jesus today, but I wanna encourage you. The gospel is good news about what Jesus did for you. And now your life can be something in response to that. Christianity is not like a, you know, questionnaire, like get your stuff together and then God will love you. Christianity is, hey, I did something for you. What do you think about that? And when we grab hold of that news, it changes how we live the rest of our lives. Can I, can I prove it? Can I show you scripture on this? Hebrews chapter two talks about our suffering king. He's, he's a king, but he went through what we went through. And look what it says. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. So it's just gravity because Jesus was tempted by the devil in the wilderness, tempted by all the issues we're tempted with today, and he didn't sin, we can look to him and we can find hope in him. That means Christianity is not a behavior modification. Christianity is not, let's get you to act differently. Christianity is about a new life that he has provided for us. And now we get to respond in joy because of that. I think that's that's good news. So when we think about anxiety, I, I want to encourage you, it's nothing new to the scriptures. The Bible talks about anxiety a lot of places. The Bible talks about uh, uh, being angry at people. The Bi- the Bi- there's one guy in the Bible that says he was so angry at his enemies that he prayed for God to kill his enemies. Don't go do that now. Some of y'all are like, oh, there you go. Now I can go pray for God to kill my enemies. No, but all I'm saying that to tell you is the Bible is very real. And sometimes the Bible is more real than the church is. Sometimes the Bible is more upfront about I am not okay than we are in church. Because being honest with how we feel on the inside is the start to transformation on the outside. That's a quote right there. I like that. How, like, we got to deal with that stuff before we see the results on the outside. Is that making sense? Mm-hmm. So, let me show you one more scripture and we'll get into today's thoughts. I'm just in my introduction, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. Psalm 61 David is writing and he's anxious. And he's stressed, and we can link David's Psalms. In my small group, we've been going through David's life in 1 Samuel, and you can link the Psalms to different periods of his life. We were reading about this guy that kind of betrays him. And in our Bible study on Wednesday nights, Wednesday mornings, uh, we were reading about it, and then it's like, oh, go to Psalm 52, and you can read what David wrote when he felt that. And so the Bible's real. Look what he says. Hear my cry, oh God, listen to my prayer. You know, you shouldn't have to say that to God, but when you're doubting you'll say it. He says, hear my prayer, God, listen to my cry. From the end of the earth, I call to you when my heart is faint. Here it is. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. So when I'm going through anxiety, it's not a question of can I solve this issue? The question is, am I willing to be led? Because when I'm anxious, David says, lead me to a rock and not just any rock. He says, lead me to the rock that's higher than I. Because when I have anxiety, I'm kind of down low, like stressing, not being able to see it. But when I get up on God's perspective, I'm like, oh, that's not that big of a deal. So David says, when you're freaking out, draw near to God, let him lead you. And he will find, you'll get the peace you've been looking for. How do you stop a freak out from happening though? Um, Anybody here ever struggled like from panic attacks, anxiety attacks, just like, man, shaky, just over in your heads, can't get out of it. And I believe that there is a cycle to freaking out. I believe all of us freak out about things. Now you might not be freaking out about the same thing as me, but who am I to judge? Like you have a reason to freak out about your thing. You should be freaking out. Go ahead and freak out. But let me show you the cycle of how freak outs happen. Okay. Five things that happen in a freak out cycle. And and, and I'll go through them very quick. It always starts with what if, and then that turns to fear or worry. And then number three is the worst. Then that turns into inaction which eventually leads to shameful thinking. and we start beating ourselves up. And before you know it, we're freaking out. Now, I want to show you this is normal for us to wonder what if. Because this is the big question of the day. Well, what if this happens? Well, what if this happens? Well, what if this happens? And, and that's fine to ask those questions. But when it leads to fear and worry, now we have a decision to make. Because I have been afraid of things and I've been worried about things, but I don't do anything about it. So all I do is just sit there and keep worrying and keep freaking out. Well, you know, what if they're thinking this and it's, you know, and now they're going to do this. And it's like, well, inaction is not picking up the phone and calling them. But if you're worried someone's thinking something, pick up the phone and call them, take a step. So a lot of times we get into this anxiety state because we don't evaluate what can I actually do? And I think when it comes to the scriptures, there is so much to be said about anxiety that I'm going to give you four things today about what to do when you're anxious. Like if you're looking for handles today, something to grow onto, something practical, these are four things about when I'm anxious, what should I do? Because if we're honest, when we're stressing with something on the inside and the seasons of life are going up and down, I just think that the Bible says we can be consistent in our mental health. Like call me crazy, but like February blues doesn't have to be a thing. And I know it is locally and I'm starting to learn it. I felt it this year. Last year I didn't because everything was so new. And now I'm like, well, I kind of feel it too. I'm like, where's the sun? But if there are seasons of life, I just believe God doesn't want us to rise and fall with the ups and downs. He wants us to remain consistent. Are you with me? And I think a true follower of Jesus aims for consistency, not perfection, consistency. Oh, can I say that again? The true follower of Jesus is not aiming for perfection. We're aiming for consistency. So all I'm trying to do is every morning try to just align myself a little bit more with him. Every conversation with somebody, align myself with him. You ever be in a conversation with someone and you feel yourself getting mad about the person as they're talking? And you're like, you're going to keep talking about this? One of my pastors told me, you need to learn to love people five minutes at a time. And what happens is as they're talking, you just tell yourself, I'm just going to love you for five minutes. And then once that five minutes is over, you just start that clock again. I'm going to love you for five more minutes. Because as life goes up and down, the church shouldn't have to go with it. Um, We should be able to remain consistent. The Bible says a double minded man is unstable. When we have two mindsets, we're unstable, but we can be consistent with Jesus. So, four things. When I'm anxious, what should I do? Number one, if I'm anxious, I should pan out and ask myself what's the big picture? What's the big picture? It's in these moments that we are currently stressed about one thing that we have to kind of pull ourselves back and say, wait a second, what's the whole point of all this? Uh, look what Jesus said in Matthew chapter six. He said, therefore, <laughs> do, not, do not be anxious, saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, uh, just if you don't know, Jews and Gentiles, that's just the description throughout the scriptures. Jews are anybody by lineage that is from Israel, In the line of Abraham, Gentiles, everybody else. So if you're not Jewish by blood, you are Gentile. I'm a Gentile. Welcome to the club. He says, for the Gentiles seek after these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them all. So seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. And here it is. We love this one. Do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient is the day for its own troubles. And so when I'm dealing with anxiety or stress or pressure, instead of sitting in the moment, I gotta take a step back and say, wait a second, this is one day in seven days. And this is one week in 52 weeks. And these are 52 weeks in the course of several years. Like if you pan out long enough what you cursed God for in one season, you might be thanking him for in another. Who am I talking to right now? If, 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 if you get upset about God in year one, and then when you get to year five, the person's gonna say, hey, because you went through year one, now you get this. You'll go, oh, well, it's a good thing that God brought me through that. And so we ought to guard our mouths when we're anxious because we often say things that we don't truly believe, and we start declaring things that aren't even true, and we start assuming things that might not even happen. So we have to pan out and evaluate what really matters. Uh, number two, when I pan out and I'm anxious, what I have to do is also I have to reevaluate. And not just reevaluate anything, but when I'm anxious or I'm concerned, I need to reevaluate who am I and what values drive me? You are not driven by your vision for your life. Okay, if you're here today and you've got a vision to get married or maybe you're here to get a vision for a new house or you want to see your kids in church or or you want to get closer to God, that's your that's your vision. Your vision is not what drives you. What drives you is your values. Who you, what you actually are, what actually matters. And if you don't know how to find your values, look at your bank account. Just honest, like you will find out what matters to you when you look at where your money goes, what you buy, what you like, what you're about, you'll find out what matters real quick. And so when you're in a crisis, we need to lean on our values and say, I'm not gonna get anxious about this because I am driven by the word of God or I'm driven by something deeper than this. Verse four says, rejoice in the Lord always again, I'll say, rejoice. So Paul's like, if you're stressed, just rejoice because you will recognize you are a child of God. And the current anxiety is just a part of this season. It's not dependent on who you are. So seasonally we experience that anxiety. And uh, I just noticed in, in 2020, especially values got challenged. Like values quickly became either values or they became hobbies. In 2020, because values are determined and revealed in crisis. And so if you say you're really about something, we'll find out when we get into a crisis. I can speak to this coming from the church I was at. We, we had so many members in our last church that we started to recognize after 2020, we were like, wow, maybe we're not as close as we think we are. Like maybe we've been saying this, but we haven't really evaluated it to determine this is what drives me. And so I gotta reevaluate when I'm in a crisis, when I'm stressed, because that's how I get through it. Number three, I have to take action. When I'm anxious, take action. This happens to me a lot. My wife and I, I you know, she's the best. She's seen me in some of the, the darkest places. Um, you know, mental illness runs in my family. My mom deals with schizophrenia. Bipolarism is going rampant in some of my siblings. Like, there's just different stuff going on. i have dealing with my own stuff uh, chemically on the inside. And so there's days where, like, I'm just stuck. And I'm, I, said, I said, nothing's going on, nothing's wrong, nothing's, like, you can't figure it out. You're just like, <sighs> and what do you do? You just kind of like mope around. And you're like, I guess I'll just do this today. And, and Randy's so good, she'll come in and be like, hey, you want to go for a walk? As if, as if I'm like a dog or something. You want to go for a walk? <gasps> and I'm like, no, I don't want to go for a walk. She's like, you want to make a cup of coffee and sit and talk? And I'm like, no, not really. And then by the third or fourth suggestion, she'll be like, I don't care what it is, but you need to do something. Because what we tend to do is we just sit, sulk, and fall into ourselves. And that's the best part about having community, not just a spouse, but having friends that can show up on your doorstep and be like, what's up, man? Where you been? Do you know what I mean? They can show up at Old Main and drag you out and be like, why are you back in this space again? Come on, man. Like, I know it's on your toes sometimes, but thank God for the people that snap us out of it. Because when we're stuck in it, we don't know how to do it. We're like, how do I get out of this? And this is where Paul says in verse six, you want to take action? Don't be anxious, but pray. So what is his step? He says, you you need to pray. That's your action step. Now, today there's people here, you might find prayer boring, but I would just challenge that you have not really entered into the kind of prayer Paul is talking about. If you look at prayer as just a monologue, you telling God a bunch of stuff, you'll miss out that it's actually a conversation and you can sit and enjoy God's presence regardless of what you say. Regardless um, of how or or how like you think prayer should go, Paul tells us if you're anxious, pray. Because in your anxiety, you will find some sort of peace and you'll be able to go a little bit deeper in understanding why you're feeling this way. Take action. Someone say action. Uh, I've noticed that being grateful can kill anxiety. Did you know this? Like just try it. Next time you're stressed, just like start thanking God for everything that you can. Just, Just until you run out of air. Like you'll be fine you know what i mean i I start my morning sometimes and i go to sleep thinking the morning's gonna go great and it doesn't go so great i wake up i'm stressed i feel it in my chest you know i've got a text from somebody that ran into somebody else and i'm thinking about all this stuff and and it's like i'll 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 come down in, in and be stressed how do i get out of this god and then one day i was just standing in my kitchen like just mad like why am i so anxious i'm a pastor why am I dealing with anxiety? I should be helping people. Isn't that what shame does to you? I should be way past this by now. No, you're human. Can I say that today? You're human. Our tendency is to become like heroes or something. And we try to go around and be heroes to everybody else, but we can't accept that we're human. So it's okay today to accept you're human. So I was in my kitchen one day, and I was just like, why do I feel like this? And I just felt like the Lord was like, why don't you start thanking me? And I was like, okay, well, I guess I thank you for this kitchen. Okay. Well, I guess I thank you for my coffee pot. You know, thank you for this. Yes, Lord. Thank you. Okay. What else? Well, I thank you for this view. I mean, I got a backyard in California. It was just dirt. You know what I mean? I got some grass out here. This is awesome. Like, and that kind of made my way into the living room. And then before you know it, I'm like, Lord, thank you for my church. I'm Lord. Thank you for what you're doing in the movieplex. Lord. And all of a sudden that anxiety becomes this small because we thank God for all this. Oh, I don't know if I got something to thank him for. Take a deep breath and you'll find out you got a lot more to thank him for because even the breath you have is borrowed. The Bible says God created man. I'm too close to speakers. God created man and he breathed into him. That's the spirit of God was breathed into man. So even my breath is God's. So it's not hard for me to worship because I'm just returning to him what's rightfully his. It's not hard for me to give. It's not hard for me to give generously because God gave me the money in the first place. He gave me the job in the first place. So it's not hard for me to say, God, I want to give it right back because it helps me reevaluate and take action. So you can do the things that the Bible talks about. I'm going to a conference and, and next month, I'll be preaching in Louisiana, young adults conference. And the conference is called signs and wonders. And they want me they, I'm coming and I'm preaching about getting healed from cancer. And, and, and we're praying for sick people to get healed. And we're, we're gonna pray for anybody in crutches to get healed. We're gonna pray like crazy stuff, right? You're gonna pray for that? Yes, because I believe the Bible says that I can do those things still. And that changes how I get anxious about things. Look what James says, uh, chapter one, verse 22, when he's writing, he says, but be doers of the word, not hearers only. So what is he saying? Take action. When you hear the word, don't just be a doer. I mean, don't just be a hearer, but be a doer. Verse 23, for anyone who is a hearer and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his face in a mirror. And when he looks at himself and walks away, at once he forgets what he is like. So this is great. I wish I had a mirror on stage or something. Because what James is saying is those who only hear the word, what they do is they look at themselves in the mirror and they see themselves and they're like, oh, this is who I am. And the moment they turn away, they forget who they are. Because all they're doing is hearing. You're a child of God. Every week, us in the room, you hear the truth. You're blessed. You've been set free. You've been delivered from the pain and the penalty of sin. You can live an abundant life. You can be healed of sick. All this stuff, you're hearing it. And the Bible says faith comes from that hearing, But until you do it, you won't actually tap into who you are. So we can agree that identity comes from obedience. (laughs) Is that too deep? Identity doesn't come from what you hear about yourself. Identity comes from when you actually obey the things that are said about you. So you are a child of God. And when you start obeying that and living like a child of God, you get a sense of your identity. And all of a sudden now you recognize I can take action. So as I close, I hope that this is a key part of our understanding of Christianity. Like following Jesus is just that, following. There is no staying in one spot. If you ain't following him, you're going backwards. Because sometimes we accept neutrality in Christianity. We say, well, I'm just here. And it's like, no, if I'm not moving with him, if I'm not tapping into his spirit, I'm missing out on an opportunity to grow and become like him. And when I look at Western New York and I I study the history of this area and I see hundreds of years, there's been a great understanding of who God is in this area. What I'm starting to sense now though is, yeah, we know about him, but like we don't really know what to do with it. It's like, I know about God, but it doesn't change my decisions. And I just think that you don't really know God then. Can I be so bold here? If you know God, it will change you. There's no way to be close to him and not become like him. So when we talk about holiness, one of our dream team codes, if you serve on our team, we're like, we're about honor, we're about humility, and we're about holiness. And, and sometimes holiness scares people because we think holiness, holiness means don't smoke cigarettes and don't cuss. And, and I, you know, I'm going to tell you, like, those things are important. I'm not going to tell you, just do whatever you want. But like, at the end of the day, holiness only comes from when you spend time with the one who's holy, So how do I get holy? Look at the one who's holy. Look at Jesus and that holiness rubs off on you. The more you're with Him, the less you wanna be with yourself. And the the, the desires of your flesh and the things that used to drive you no longer matter. So, So holiness is an opportunity to become more like Him. And I believe our church is helping people do just that, not just come to church and believe. Like every week people come up to me, Pastor, she's here. I invited her, she's here, can you believe it? Or pastor, my friend is coming. Make sure you say that one thing you always say about how wherever you are at in your spiritual walk because I want them to hear, you know. And, and, and I hear it every week because the sign of a growing church is not butts and seats. The sign of a growing church is people are actually enjoying God and becoming more like him and they want to read their Bibles. They want to be better people. So I got to reevaluate when I'm anxious. I got to pan out. I got to reevaluate, I got to take action. And then that's number four, I got to let go. And the question here is, how can I grow from this? Because for years, my wife and I have been praying for my mom and she's come in and out of my life in the last, you know, 12, 13 years and, and just incredible woman. Like, like, I, there, I, I wanna, there's nothing bad I can say about her. She's my mom but there has been these seasons where I keep putting myself into this anxiety that doesn't need to be there. And I don't know why I'm saying this, but, but, like, but I just wanna be upfront here. If you keep putting yourself in an environment to get beat up every time, don't get upset when you leave with a black eye. Because it's not the person anymore, it's you putting yourself into that anxiety. And I think sometimes the devil opens the front door to anxiety and we don't even know. We're just walking right in like, oh, yeah, sure. Let me turn on this. Not knowing that it's a trap, you know. Turn around. Like, So sometimes, yes, evaluate what matters. Change your schedule. Change your priorities. But if you don't let go of that, it doesn't matter how much self-help you do. If you don't move on from undealt with hurt, that thing will catch up to you and keep you anxious. Look, look, look what the apostle says, verse seven. He says, when, you, when you're anxious, pray, right? He says, let your prayers be known. And then it says this, and the peace of God, which surpasses your heart and your mind will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So when I'm anxious, it's because of an issue. I hope you know this. Like, If I'm anxious, let's use my mom for example. I'm anxious about my mom and the decisions she's making and and currently, last I knew she was still homeless, still on drugs, we have people in the city that see her and they fill me in, you know, because from a distance we're like, so I come to God and I'm anxious about my mom, I'm anxious about my mom, I want you to fix her, I want you to get her to stop, I want to change things, I want to see this, I want her to know my daughter, I want her to be in my life, I want this, I want this, ah, and nothing changes. And I go to God and I'm anxious because I don't have an answer. But look at verse seven. Did God ever say he was going to give an answer? He says, when you're anxious, pray, not so that you can get an answer. Pray so that you can get peace that surpasses anything you could even understand in the first place. So you think, Billy, it's about this and it's about this. The peace I'm giving you about your mom, you're not even going to be able to figure out how you're so peaceful. Like one day, Billy, you're going to be able to get up in front of a bunch of strangers practically and just tell them about this deep issue and this deep relationship in your life with your mom. Because why? Because the peace of God has guarded you. And look what Paul says. He says, this peace, is going to guard two places, your heart and your mind. Because your heart wants what your heart wants, but your mind will rethink things and concoct things. And then, you know, it'll make you see things that aren't even there. So God wants to give you peace for the things that really matter, and then he wants to give you peace for the things that really don't. And I think that's the beauty about the gospel because Jesus tells us that because of him, not even death can have the final say over your peace. Like, because Jesus died and resurrected, death now shouldn't even get us anxious. I know it does still, But ultimately, we don't have to be anxious in the face of death, because one day, death is gonna not have the last say. And one day, all of us are gonna be hanging out in heaven. Like, remember when we were worried about death? Death was just the starting point to eternity. So when I'm anxious, I gotta remind myself of those things. I gotta find that peace, and that peace comes from Jesus. Um, If you don't know Jesus today, it's our custom to always give a chance for anybody to to, to meet him, because I, I never knew Jesus as a system or as a religion. I never knew Jesus like as, as, a, as an accessory. Like some people throw Jesus into their sentences just to make them more spiritual. Or like some political figures use religion as an opportunity to reach more people. So let me just toss Jesus in here and hey, I'm for Jesus, come on. And we're like, okay, I'm for that guy, you know. And it's like Jesus is not an accessory. Jesus is not something you just add on to what you already got going. Jesus replaces your life with a new life. And I believe today, some people want new starts, but you're not willing to take a new life yet. And uh, that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray for a new life for someone this morning. So would you close your eyes just for a moment, privacy. You know, if someone's here and feels uncomfortable, I want you to know right here, right now, Jesus wants to meet you and give you that peace. I'm gonna pray for people with anxiety after this. So if you are here and you've just had a rough week, uh, salvation call, this is not for you. Okay, if, if you've had a bad week, and, but you know Jesus, this is not for you. This is for anybody that says, I'm done running and I'm done hiding, and I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to start over, and if that's you, would you just slip your hand up real quick? No one's looking. On the count of three, one, two, three. Just say, that's me, that's me. God bless you, God bless you. God bless you. Come on, can we pray? Dear God, thank you for your son, Jesus. I believe that he died for me. Today, I wanna live for him. Today, I wanna rise for him. I believe he rose from the dead, so today, I believe death doesn't even have the last say. I want to know what you have next for me, Jesus. And so today is the start of the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, if you believe it, say amen. Come on, church. Can we thank God for the three people today that gave their lives to Jesus? Uh, we've got, I think we've got about like 40 people watching with us online. Uh, if you're online right now and you're in need of prayer, there's people that can chat to you right now. Would you just write into the chat on YouTube? I need prayer. And we've got some people that are watching online with you that want to meet you right now. Because I just believe that stuff, y'all. I believe like if someone's going to watch from home, why not let the Holy Spirit touch them too? So we love you. Hey, if you did pray that prayer after church today, we have Bibles for you. Um, if you're new to faith and you're like, I don't have a Bible, we got plenty of Bibles. we got uh, some great stuff to hook you up with just so that you know as a church we want to help. You know, we don't want you to just pray a prayer and figure it out. Uh, but we have people that would love to pray with you at Next Steps, learn more about our church. Um, you know, if, if if you notice there's some cards uh, when you leave over there in Next Steps, you'll see those those cards. Fill out that if you want to get prayer for anything. Our our team is constantly praying. Uh, every week we do prayer now and, and we're actually praying over issues. We have one lady in our church had a mass uh, right here. She was going to get a biopsy and uh, it was on our prayer list last Tuesday. Our prayer team came in 7 a.m. every Tuesday. We prayed for it. Today she gave a testimony. It shrank. And uh, it's continuing to shrink. I'm telling you, just telling you, why not? You know, if it's in here, why not see what happens? It's so uh, we're glad for that. Okay. Secondly, anxiety. If you're here and you you could attest, I have anxiety. Doesn't have to chemical, reactive, traumatic, whatever your thing is. But you would say, you know what? I've been anxious lately. Would you lift a hand up? Just just so boldly. <laughs> All of us. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, seriously. Keep your hand lifted for a second. Um, Thank you for being honest. You notice I didn't have people close their eyes because we have to be okay with this. It's not okay that we, have all, we all have anxiety. That's not okay with God. He doesn't want us to live like this, but we as the church have to be okay when we see other people with issues. Like, it doesn't matter. Just wait until God opens up even more for this church. And, and, and you know, my wife, we had it on our heart when we started kids ministry. We wanna have a special needs classroom. Like we want to have a classroom that's designated where if you're a parent of a special needs child, you can call in advance and our team's ready to receive them. And we have you partnered with somebody and they know. And it's why, because people have these real things they got to deal with. Parents have to deal with this stuff. It's the same with anxiety. Why can't we, the church, have pathways for people that have anxiety? And so I want to pray over you and then uh, we'll watch a quick video. Um, But I want to pray over you that this would be the start of something in our church because there's people in this town that feel like they can't come to church because they're going to get judged. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I talked to one guy. He goes, I don't go to church. A bunch of hypocrites there. I was like, join the club, you know, <laughs> like, come on in. You know, I'm one of them. It's, it's part of our faith. We understand we are not perfect people, but we're pursuing a perfect God. And I'm going to pray for that right now for, that, uh, for that, that, that to help somebody in the room. So Father, thank you for every person that lifted their hands. I pray your Holy Spirit of comfort over them today. Uh, we pray healing over any issues that have been leading to this anxiety. We pray a release of anything that someone's been holding on to too long over that anxiety, Lord. And we thank you that this month we're gonna see so many people touched with the gospel that even anxiety won't have the last say. I declare that every chest that has been tight would be loosed. I pray that blood pressure would go down this week. I pray that you'd bring our minds the peace that you promise. In Jesus' name, amen and amen, amen, amen. Come on, you guys receive that today. Um, Let's check this video out real quick, give you some next steps, and then I'll come up and close for us.
1: Hey, Gospel fam, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, or if you're looking to get connected here at Gospel, fill out a card, text FRESH to 94000, or visit our Next Steps area on your way out. Ladies, are you looking for a small group? Join Pastor Randy on Monday nights for Bible study with some of the women of Gospel. Group is held at 50 West Main Street in Fredonia, Monday nights at 6.30 PM. Looking to make Gospel your home? Join us for culture class. This is a one-week class to discover more about our church, where you fit, and how to grow with us. Classes today from 1130 to 12 in the Overflow Room.
0: Thanks for joining us at Gospel. You are loved, and we're so thankful to have
1: you here. Now let's prepare our hearts for a time of generosity.
0: All right. Hey, we're going to close now. You just heard that video about culture class. Uh, I will be in uh, this room right after class. I mean, after church. I'm just going to do a quick welcome to anybody in our church that might want to hear about how we started, what our values are. Um, this is kind of a place to ask questions or if you want to, you know, talk about anything specific, we'll be over there right after church. So you're more than welcome to join us. Uh, let's close though with a time of generosity. This is our custom. I want to show you Matthew 6. And uh, if you're new to our church, don't feel pressured to give. Uh, You know, if it's your first time, second time, you know, I don't want you to be weirded out here. Uh, But generosity is a big part of our church. We just believe if God has been good to us, we get an opportunity to be good to Him. And uh, here's what Jesus says about generosity. He says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. And if you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, you notice how it's not even a question. So if you give to the needy, he says, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they've, they've received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. I love that verse. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Um, for us as, as a church, we, we, we're not really looking at people giving, how much they give. It's between you and God. And even yourself, Jesus tells us, when we give, we shouldn't feel the need to go announce it to everybody. I gave this week. I just want to let you know I, I gave. Just, I gave to that as well. It's like after the third or fourth time, it's like, man, get out of here with that. You know, giving is an opportunity for you to respond to God. And, uh, you know, there's churches that sometimes will do it first thing in the beginning of the service, uh, middle of the service. At our church, we like to do it at the end because it gives you a chance to go, and you know what, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to believe you and so today, or I'm going to trust that when I give, you're hearing my prayers or you're hearing my anxiety that Billy was talking about. Um, so I want to pray for your giving today as we dismiss. Would you stand as uh, I get to, get to dismiss you guys? It's going to be a great week, great month. Um, be sure to invite anybody. Depression will be next week. And uh, I'm going to be talking about a man named Elijah who got himself into a cave and just got really depressed. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about how he got out of that cave and how we can get out of our caves. It's going to be great. So let's pray, though. Father, we love you. Thank you today for what you're done. Uh, I pray over the giving. Pray for those that are tithing, those that are giving over and above. Pray for those that have just given their time, just showing up today was enough. Uh, We love you. We thank you for what you're doing this month. We pray over the month of March, we pray you would draw the right people to our house that you would bring in people that are in need, bring in people that are stressed or that are over things and just stuck in the middle. Would you bring them here so they could find life? And uh, we thank you that some of the best days are still ahead of us. So thank you for our people today. I bless them in the name of Jesus. Bless their minds that they would always be above and not beneath. I bless their hearts that their hearts would stay pure in the face of so much ups and downs. I bless their hands that whatever they touch this week would prosper, that even in their jobs, they would work with excellence and with care. And I bless their feet that wherever they walk this week, you'll be with them, you'll guide them and you'll direct their steps. So we love you in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you next week. Uh, We'll be right next door in about five minutes for culture class if you're joining us.